This is a test of the emergency podcast system. Activated by contract termination. Rumors of our demise are greatly exaggerated. Welcome to Stacy on the Right with your host, Stacy Washington. She's blessed to be a Bible reading, gun toting, Air Force veteran, wife, and mom, righteously American. Welcome, friends. It is a fantastic day to be alive in America, to be righteously American, recognizing that we are the recipients of one of the greatest gifts, which is liberty enshrined in a constitution, religious freedom, and really the best landmass. I mean, we have just have all the best things as Americans, and so we're so blessed, and we just have to continue to not just revel in that, but to thank God for it. And additionally, we have, uh, we have a, a, a kind of, a, it's, it's a somber day. We have to celebrate and acknowledge the goodness and graciousness of God in preventing us from being the recipients of uh, any more massive uh, terror attacks, um, on our own soil here in America. And, and it's just, we're blessed not to have had to go through anything of that magnitude again. And so we're going to go over some of the, just, uh, some of the, the tough times, some of the, the moments I have just a couple of pieces of audio for you, um, to kind of commemorate that. And it is, it is exactly what we would hope would be what, what we can do. Honestly, it's, it's what we hoped for when it, in the way of being able to, to not celebrate, but to commemorate what happened and to remember those who lost their lives. Uh, so today on the show, we're going to run through, we have a ton of, ton of content for you. Um, I'm going to start off with the 9-11 remem- remembrance. I want to share with you our own personal connection to the tragedy, um, the terror attacks. And then we're going to talk about, uh, a brave man who was at the commemoration ceremony today in New York, and he had a shirt on that said, some people did something, and you know who he went in on. So we're going to uh, talk a little bit about his remarks. And then the rise of Democrats in Texas and what that's about, what's driving that. Um, and then gun sales are up. They've surged 15%. We'll touch on that. And then I, you might... I remember a certain rapper back in the day had a song about painting the White House black. Well, what about the border wall? Would you care if it was black? If it is black, if it is indeed being painted black, would this make you angry? Or maybe, um, maybe you don't know, or I shouldn't say you don't know. Maybe you don't care what color it is. Maybe you care, uh, but it's not because black is a color that means something to you. Maybe it's because you know that's a deterrent. Um, so let me see, uh, what we can do about that. But first of, first off, I want to go into what the president said today in his speech commemorating, uh, 9-11. So he was at the Pentagon and he started off by thanking, uh, Secretary Esper and talking about our nation honoring and mourning nearly 3,000 lives that were stolen from us on September 11th. On these grounds, 184 people were murdered when Al-Qaeda terrorists overtook American Airlines Flight 77 and crashed it into the Pentagon. And for every American who lived through that day, the September 11th attack is seared into our soul. It was a day filled with shock, horror, sorrow, and righteous fury. And it was. It was such a shock to have it happen here. Um, and he talked about um, when he learned of the news. Of course, he wasn't a politician back then. He was a public figure. And he says, I vividly remember when I first heard the news, I was sitting at home watching a major business television show early that morning. Jack Welch, the legendary head of General Electric, was about to be interviewed when all of a sudden they cut away. At first, there were different reports. It was a boiler fire, but I knew that boilers aren't at the top of a building. It was a kitchen explosion and windows on the world. Nobody really knew what happened. There was great confusion. 
He says, I was looking out of a window from a building in Midtown Manhattan directly at the World Trade Center when I saw a second plane at a tremendous speed go into the second tower. It was then that I realized the world was going to change. I was no longer going to be and I never could be that innocent place that I thought it was. Now, that's where the president was. Now, for me, um, it's a little bit of a different story because we lived here in St. Louis. We'd we'd been here um, for a couple of years and... We had an appointment that day, and at the time, because this is 2001, um, we actually had two kids at that point, and we had our our little, so our daughter and our son, um, they're 15 months apart, so they were both basically like one's a toddler, the other one's a baby, and we were in the car, and I was listening to the news talk, conservative news talk radio station here in St. Louis. Um, my husband and I are driving, the kids are in the back, and they announced that a plane has hit the World Trade Center. And I'm like, this is the worst practical joke I've ever heard on radio. I'm turning this off. So I turned to another station and my husband says, no, turn it back. I don't think it's a joke. I said, it has to be. Why would someone fly a plane into one of the buildings in New York City? And he said, just turn it back. So I turn it back. And they're like, this isn't a joke. This is real. This is happening. This, this is uh, some kind of an, an accident, some kind of awful accident, and we'll keep you updated. So we get to my friend's house. Her name is uh, Roz, Roslyn. We get to her house, and we walk in with the kids. And there on her television, she had this big, huge, you know those floor model, big screen televisions? This is a long time ago, guys. Um, she's got that on and there's, the tower is smoking and we stood there and watched in her living room as the second plane hit. Cause you know, you're, you by now everyone's like this broadcasting and everything. And at that point we are just flabbergasted. So we sit down on the couch. It's obvious we're not making our appointment today. We, we sit there with her and we try to call using my husband's cell phone, his work cell phone, we try to call my parents because my parents live in the DC metro area and I'm looking for them. I'm I'm like, what, you know, where are they now? Obviously, this is before we knew anything more was going to happen. We just knew that there was a terror attack in New York City, some kind of an attack. I don't we I don't even remember us saying terror. We just knew something had happened in New York with these two planes. So, we try to call and all of the cell phone lines are busy. So there's no way to get through. Well, then we learn that a plane has just been flown into the Pentagon and the Pentagon is on fire. And at that moment, I'm gripped with fear because my mom had an office at the Pentagon. She she worked at the Pentagon. They had two offices, one in Crystal City and one in, in the Pentagon. Now, you know, 24, 26,000 people work at the Pentagon at that point. So clearly she's not the only one. And, but I'm, I don't know what part of the Pentagon's been hit. I don't know if it's where her office is. You know, it's just pandemonium. So we're sitting there and my husband's like, it's fine. We can't get through right now because this is a national emergency. Everyone's trying to get through. Everyone's trying to get through. Everyone's trying to get through. Just stop, stop. So we actually sat there. We prayed, um, with, with Roz, just sitting there, me and my husband and Roz and the kids were praying. And then we kept watching the television. And we watched everything unfold. And so after spending a couple of hours there, we get back in the car to head back home because at this point we were, you know, we're not going to our appointment. Everything is just kind of up in the air. And I wanted to get home so I could feed the kids and kind of just regroup. And we get back home. And so I still don't know if, if the part of the Pentagon that's been hit is where my mom's office is, if she's even at the Pentagon today because she could have been at Crystal City. I have no idea what's going on. We get back home and my dad calls. He says, hey, everything's fine. Your mom is fine. And I said, what happened? And he said, well, you know, it's terrorism, blah, blah, blah. But your mother was actually on her way to the Pentagon because she worked at Crystal City and at the Pentagon. They had the two locations where they worked. She's on her way there. And remember, this is a very long time ago. This is 18 years ago. And she says she's driving down the street and she keeps she's thinking, I've, I've I'm missing something. I've forgotten something at Crystal City. She's on her way to the Pentagon. She says, in that moment, she remembered a box of files that she was supposed to be bringing over 
um, because her job, she was a budget analyst at the time. That was her career the entire time she worked for the federal government. And she worked for uh, base realignment and closure. But that was later. She she went to work for base realignment and closure well after 9-11. But at, at this point, her office is, she's got one in Crystal City, one at the Pentagon. So she remembers this box of files and she says, ah, I can I can always take it there later in the week. And then she said, no. I'm going to go get it now because I want to take care of that today. I want to get those files over there and I want to get it done today. So she turns around and instead of going straight to the Pentagon like she'd intended on, she heads over to Crystal City and she's in her office at Crystal City with the file box on her desk talking to some of her coworkers when the plane hit the Pentagon. And the part of the Pentagon that was hit, she lost 26 coworkers because it destroyed her office. And so had she not gone to get that file box, she would have been one of the thousands of people who were killed uh, in Pennsylvania and Washington, D.C. and in uh, New York. She literally came that close. And so that's our that's our connection to 9-11. Besides, you know, the fact that we're Americans and we lost so many great people, not just that day, but in the ensuing years, people who were made sick by um, the just the debris that they inhaled and they had had 9-11 sickness and cancers and things like that. Those those Americans aren't included in the original death toll, but they're a part of this tragedy as well. And I just think sometimes about how much our lives have changed. Um, I remember the last time a year ago or so when we were doing, you know, 9-11 commemoration and I was telling the kids about how much things have changed. And um, I think it was our son. He said, well, how, how much have things changed? I mean, you know, like we don't, we don't know anything but what we have now. And I said, well, for example, there was a time when it was just the three of us. My my husband and I just had Matt, just had Maya, and she was a baby. And my dad was flying, and he had a layover in St. Louis. He was flying from D.C. to someplace else, and he had a layover in, in uh, St. Louis, and it was for like an hour and a half. So he'd call before he got on the plane and said, "I'm going to be in St. Louis for an hour and a half. Meet me at the airport, you know, whatever." So I take Maya over there, and I get out of the minivan. And I get her stroller out. I put her in the stroller. I put the diaper bag in the the little basket underneath. I grab my purse and I just stroll right into Lambert Airport, walked right past the ticket counters and straight into the airport and walked down to the Delta gates and met my dad as he got off the plane. And we sat there uh, in, in the gate area and he played with Maya and she ate a snack and we caught up and I took pictures of the two of them together. He took pictures of me and her. And then when it was time for boarding for his flight, we hung around until he got on the plane and waved goodbye to him. And then I walked back out of the airport and got in the car. And I was telling the kids about that. And they were like, well, how how did you get in? Like, how did you get past TSA if you didn't have a ticket? I said, you didn't need, there was no TSA. You didn't need a ticket. You just walked to the gate. Well, how did you get past the other part? If there was no TSA, there had to have been someone who, you know, and so they kept, what they were wanting to know is where were all the people who, control our movements at the airport now. Where were they? And I said, they weren't there. We started doing that after 9-11. And so in so many ways, our lives have changed since then. So many ways. Some of them tiny, imperceptible changes. Others major uh, dramatic changes like the way that we access airports, the way that we're you know allowed to move around airports to go in and out, where you can go to pick up a, a person at the airport. All of these things. And they go back to what happened on September 11th. But there's also an interesting, I don't know if you want to call it a phenomenon, because one one of the, the things that I noticed today when I was looking at stories and kind of preparing for the show is you got Whoopi Goldberg lighting into members of Congress because there was a commemoration and only 26% of House of Representatives showed up for it. And so that there's there's become like this complacency around it. News media decided after the attacks that they were no longer going to show footage on major news networks of the planes hitting the towers, et cetera, et cetera. So a lot of children today, unless their parents have taken the time to show them or unless teachers have taken the time to show them the footage from YouTube or someplace like that in classrooms, the, the kids haven't seen the images. 
They haven't seen what we all went through. And this is like anything else. If we allow time to go on and we don't actually teach the children who were born after this happened or who were babies when it happened exactly what happened and why, we'll lose the seriousness of it. And those lives, they're lost for nothing. So we have to remember. We'll be right back. Stay there. Me, down here. Ugh, what are you, a yellow booger? I'm a banana slug, Stephen. What are you doing in my room? I'm your sense of adventure. It's been a long time since we've had an adventure in the forest. Mom took me to the forest last year. I'm a slug, Stephen. It took me a long time to get here. You're right. I should get out. Yeah, the forest is not that far away. Hey, Mom! Come to the forest where the more adventurous you lives. Check out discovertheforest.org for cool places nearby. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. Man, do I love card night. You ready, boys? You got a king? Go, fish that! Oh, come on! (laughs) This is WWE superstar Titus O'Neil. It only takes a moment to make a moment. Take time to be a dad today. Learn more at 877-4DAD-411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. It's 4 a.m., Monday and you're literally sucking baby snot through a tube because she's congested. Man, that's love. And if you love her that much, love her enough to make sure she's buckled in the right car seat. To make sure your child's in the right seat for their age and size, visit nhtsa.gov slash the right seat. Show them you love them. Keep them safe. Visit nhtsa.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Hey, Kevin, thinking about saving for retirement? Yeah, but how do I start? It's easy with Avvo, a retirement coach. Let's learn the Avvo bet. A is for taking action. Not anxiety? No, Kevin, you're going to be fine. You sick? Barely. V is for variety. Huh, change up my strategy. Okay. O's for optimize your savings. Let Avvo lead the way. Visit aceyourretirement.org today. A message from AARP and the Ad Council. Tom has been a teacher for over 40 years. One day, I think one of the students had asked the question and he didn't remember the answer. And I also noticed that he was letting his class out earlier than they were supposed to let out. I was really starting to worry. Levi and I talked about how it would change our lives, but he was there beside me. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash stories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. You're not wired to have a response to this sound. You're neutral to it. And you can hear it repeatedly without feeling anything. But when we introduce a new stimulus, save the food, we've achieved pulling a natural or inborn response from you. Save the food. Because 40% of all food in the U.S. never gets eaten. Save the food. Cook it. Store it. Share it. Just don't waste it. For tips and recipes, visit savethefood.com. Brought to you by NRDC and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Spacey on the Right. Welcome. Welcome back to the program. Thanks for being here today. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button over... On our Facebook page, YouTube page, you know, give us some love. All right. Thanks for being here today. Um, I want to just get really quickly um, back to, well, we're remembering. We're remembering what we as a nation went through when the uh, the terrorists launched an attack on our country. And I want to point out the goodness of God is ever present, even in something as horrible as what we went through on 9-11. Um, had the planes, had they caught later planes in the day and decided to execute the attack later after everyone had actually gotten to work, the death toll could have been as high as 10,000. So we have, you know, we lost people and it was horrible, but it could have been worse. And I point that out because I think we need to hear it. We need to know that. Um, my story is not unique in that, you know, there were many, many people who just literally, you know, I, 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 I'm on my way to 
you know, the World Trade Center. Oh, oh man, I got to stop and do so-and-so. And so they weren't there. They weren't in the building um, and they were supposed to be. So th- this is something that we all we, we all have this going on where, where you look at it and you say um, either people lost people, they almost lost people. They, these are just it's we all we continue to learn more every 9-11 commemoration uh, day every year. I learned something new about some of the people who were impacted by this. So um, I want to I want to have a little bit of audio here, and I want you to hear some of the sounds that we heard uh, on that day. Some of the reporting as we remember the Americans who they really they were snuffed out too soon because of terrorism. Um, so let's listen first to the New York towers being hit and uh, the kind of the news reporting surrounding that. At 8.46 a.m., American Airlines Flight 11 from Boston, with 92 aboard, traveling at a speed of 470 miles per hour, strikes the North Tower of the World Trade Center complex. Within minutes, officials coordinate the citywide emergency response. Their base of operations is a state-of-the-art command center located on the 23rd floor of 7 World Trade Center. With one tower in flames, the tragedy is only beginning. It is 9.03 when United Airlines Flight 175, with 65 aboard, traveling at the speed of 590 miles per hour, smashes into the south tower of the World Trade Center. This aircraft strikes the corner of the south tower. It rips a diagonally shaped gash from the 84th to the 78th floors. The South Tower lasts only 56 minutes before it succumbs at 9.59 a.m. And so these are um, news bits from that day. I want to hear a little bit about the reporting. It's the reporting of the Pentagon being hit because at this point, Americans have not yet connected all three events together. We're not sure exactly what is happening? We know something bad is going on, but we're not sure exactly what. Here is the reporting surrounding the Pentagon. We also have a report now that the, it was a plane that crashed into the Pentagon, and we have a large fire at the Pentagon. The Pentagon is being evacuated as we speak. There is a lot of confusion here at the Pentagon. It appears that uh, something hit uh, the Pentagon on the outside of the fifth corridor, uh, on the Army corridor. Several Army officers I talked to reported hearing a, a big explosion, seeing shards of metal uh, uh, coming past their window. The Pentagon has been evacuated. Uh, emergency services personnel were rushing to reports of several people trapped in the building. Most of the building's 24,000 people are outside of the building or in the center courtyard uh, as the emergency teams try to sort out what has happened here. And then last audio clip here, I want to listen to, um, it's just a quick one about the plane going down in Pennsylvania, and they weren't sure if it was connected. We later came to find out that it was the heroism of Americans who would rather die than be in a plane that would hit either the Capitol building or the White House, and so they sacrificed themselves. We have a report now that a large plane crashed this morning. Uh, north of the Somerset County Airport, which is in western Pennsylvania, not too terribly far from Pittsburgh. We don't know if this is somehow connected to what has gone on in New York and Washington, but we do know that another plane has crashed this one about 80 miles south of Pittsburgh, or at least to the southeast of Pittsburgh. And so it's on the heels of that, that we as Americans have been engaged. We were embroiled before 9-11, obviously, um, in wars in the Middle East, but it has become just a routine part of who we are as a nation, that we spend billions of dollars every month in foreign lands fighting against Islamic terror. And I just continue to beseech everyone, if you're a listener of this show, if you're a first-time listener, long-time listener, what have you, that we would continue to pray for uh, a resolution to it. And obviously, we know what the Bible says, and we know you know where the, the conflict in the Middle East stems from. But we can still continue to pray for, um, first of all, that we would never have a terror attack like the one we had on 9-11 ever again on American soil. 
and that we would be wise in our dealings in the Middle East and that we would come to a place where uh, we're not losing, continually losing the lives of our American soldiers and service members in a place where war is the norm. Um, and that God would, that we would return to a righteous orientation, biblical worldview as a nation so that God could reward us with peace in our land. Um, and that he would hold back the forces of evil and prevent them from ever doing anything like this ever again in America. I remember thinking, this is what was so shocking about 9-11 to me, the day that we sat on Roz's couch and watched all of this unfold. Growing up in Germany, I was used to terrorism. There would be terrorist attacks at nightclubs. You know, there would be bombings. They would blow up uh, service members' cars on the that are parked outside of the base. Any any car with a any kind of a sticker or a tag that showed that it was you know an American driving it, they would blow a car up. Just just blow it up. And sometimes the trigger would be the service member getting into the car and turning the ignition switch or slamming the door after they get in. You slam the door shut, and then before you even turn the engine on, boom, the car goes up. And so I remember that growing up. It, it happened all the time. My dad, first first four years we lived in Germany, my dad had a mirror on a long arm that he would run around the bottom of the car before we would get in it because, you know, you're, you're checking to see if there's a someone has attached a bomb to the car when you're parked off base. And so it was just that kind of stuff was that happened in Europe, that happened in Germany, that would happen in Middle Eastern countries. I knew this. I grew up knowing this. But to be a grown woman married with a couple of kids sitting on my girlfriend's couch, missing our appointment for that day, watching this happen in America and to the scale that it was like not hundreds of people, but thousands of Americans, nearly 3000 people killed systematically by these terrorists. It was just absolutely unbelievable. And I remember thinking, I, I, I said I was to my husband, I said, I can't believe this is happening in America. And he said, well, yeah, I know. I said, no, I mean, terrorism doesn't happen in America. We don't have terrorist attacks. That happens overseas. And he said, well, I guess it happens here now too. And I, I just, it, it is still to this day, um, it's kind of stunning to me. But when you look at our culture and you look at what um, we as Americans tolerate, not just, I'm not just talking about what's on television, but the way we talk, the way we think, the way we live, the, the lack of importance that is attached to not just Christianity, but I'm talking about, and, and not religion. Oh, this isn't about religion. This is about the number of people who truly consider themselves to be in a relationship, being discipled by Jesus Christ. When we look at that and you, it's, it's, it correlates. There's a correlation between the level of ungodliness and the fact that we have terrorist attacks here in America now where we never had them before. And so we can never, ever stop fighting. And like CNN earlier today was trying to blame what happened on 9-11 on planes. It's Islamic terror is what happened that day. And we have to name it and shame it. And we can never, ever allow People who want to rewrite history, some of the same folks who say the Holocaust wasn't really about snuffing out, in, you know, and genocide of Jews. Yeah, it was. It was. It was about a crazed, deranged eugenicist who wanted to snuff out entire races of people. It was about that. And you can never get away from that. We can never get away from Islamic terrorists from Saudi Arabia and several other Arab nations financed by the Al-Qaeda terrorist organization uh, that was run by Osama bin Laden retaliating against America for support, our support of Israel and our involvement in the Persian Gulf War and the fact that we had a military presence in the Middle East, we can never get away from the fact that Islamic terror is what brought 9-11 to us. So um, there, the, that's that's a part of today. We have to have gratitude and we have to thank God and just be so grateful for what he has done since then. And we have to remember that, you know, we're, we're, we're continually fighting and battling each other over politics. But our real enemies are outside of this country. They want to destroy us. They're working hard on destroying us. And anyone who's working to aid them is a part of the enemy as well. 
And I know that's the kind of talk people don't, don't, don't say that. Don't, well, well, you know what? The truth has to be said. We have to speak the truth. We have to know that, um, not speaking the truth doesn't solve anything. It doesn't change anything. It doesn't keep us from, um, it doesn't keep us from what is, has happened. It doesn't change what happened and it doesn't stop it from happening again. And I also want to just, as we're closing out this bit here, I want to say again, thank you. I want to express my gratitude to the men and women of law enforcement at all levels, including all the way up to the Department of Homeland Security and the FBI and the CIA for the terror attacks that they've thwarted since then. Hundreds of attacks that would have yielded massive death tolls on behalf of Islamic terrorists that have been thwarted because we've had the apparatus there to put a stop to it. There have been some mistakes, some times where they slipped up and they didn't catch what was going on and resulted in people being able to do terror here in the United States on on our home soil. But we would have had more of it without them. And so we have to thank them as well. And again, we have to thank God just that we still have our country here, that we still are able to operate in relative peace and we have our liberties and our freedoms and our constitution. Um, We just have to thank God for that. So I'm, I'm hoping that if you're, if you have kids in the home and maybe tonight you could spend some time sharing with them, um, about 9-11, share with them where you were and what it meant to this country and the changes we've experienced since then and what you hope to see going forward in in the future. Um, so I, I want to get to also, there's this, this kind of amazing this guy was like on fire today um he was at the annual reading of the names memorial at ground zero for the victims of september 11 2001 terror attacks and he was taking part in reading the names his t-shirt was emblazoned with a coat from muslim representative ilhan omar the shirt said some people did something so he spoke his mind to omar and fellow members of the squad saying The attacks were done by 19 Islamic terrorist members of Al-Qaeda as an attack on our nation's founding on Judeo-Christian principles. The man is identified by Real Clear Politics as Nick Harris, and he was reading because his mother was killed on 9-11. He said, we are here today, Congresswoman, to tell you and the squad just who did what to whom. Show respect in honoring them, please. American patriotism and your position demand it. For God and country, Amen. I love it. I love him taking them to task. They deserve it. Now, they're nincompoops. Are you think, you know, this, this is the kind of stuff that just bounces off of their heads the same way that water glides off the outside of a glass. They're, they're not going to absorb any of the smackdown, but it's appropriate for him to deliver it. And, um, a bunch of people noted that the, on Twitter that his shirt, some people did something. Um, and it's, it's, I love it. I, it. Only, only in America, you get some shirts made up. When someone says something stupid, you get a shirt made up and you make sure and make them famous. So good for him for doing that. So now I want to turn to this whole thing about Texas and um, what's actually happening here. So obviously Democrats have done a great job in destroying California and they've turned it into a democratic stronghold where it doesn't matter how, what the quality of life is for you there. What matters is that Democrats control it and they're never going to let it go. And so Texas Democrats are rising as white liberals arrive in search of booming tech and energy sector jobs. And as they arrive, running from Democratic policies in New York and Illinois and other Democratic strongholds, high taxes, high regulation, high cost of living, outrageous home costs, uh, home prices, and, and taxes that are through the roof on not just their income, but their property, meaning their home, may, it may be a fantastic home, but it's overtaxed, so they can't afford it. So what do they do? They chase down these wonderful opportunities in Texas. But when they get there, they start voting just like they voted at the place where they left. They're like locusts. They just come in and eat everything in sight and leave destruction in their wake. So, you know, back when Governor, uh, when Rick Perry was the governor of Texas and others, always bragging about Texas and calling it a miracle. Even when President Obama was in office, Texas's economy was growing while the re- rest of the country was just buckling under the Great Recession. And 
you know, the state has energy and tech industries that are booming, that they seem recession proof there. And the reason for part of that is because the tax base is just so low. You, you don't have to worry about getting taxed into oblivion in Texas. So Latino growth obviously gets a lot of attention, but the main growth sector in Texas, as far as people is concerned, is white liberals voting for Democrats, trying to turn Texas blue. We'll complete that when we get back, and I have more stories for you. Stay right there. Remembering 9-11, Stacey on the right. Some knowledge belongs to us and us alone. The way our girlfriends walk, talk, touch their hair. Details that only a sister can know about her girls. But what about our other girls? The ones we carry with us every day. Our bond with our sister girls gives life. But knowing your breasts can save it. Go to knowyourgirls.org for the facts you need on breast health. Brought to you by Susan G. Coleman and the Ad Council. Listen, as a hiring manager, I've got to tell you, the best job candidate isn't always the typical candidate. Sometimes they're a grad of life. Meet the grads of life. Young adults of unique determination and experience. An ideal fit for your company in an entry-level position, internship, or mentorship. They might not have every qualification you typically look for, but they're exactly who your company needs. Sometimes the best candidates aren't the ones you're used to. Go to gradsoflife.org to learn how to find, cultivate, and train this great pool of untapped talent. Brought to you by the Ad Council and gradsoflife.org. This is the story of a very special woman. Just a few knew about her superpowers. In a matter of seconds, she turned herself into a great mathematician. She masqueraded as a regular person at work, but as a superhero at home. Everyone knows her as Gabriella. I still call her Mom. Your hero needs you now, and AARP is here to help. Find the care guides you need to help, complete with tips and resources at aarp.org slash caregiving. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Why was the basketball court all wet? Because the players kept dribbling on it. The dad joke. <laughs> Corny, groan-worthy, but also one of the simplest ways to share a moment with your kids. What did the buffalo say when he dropped his son off for school? Bye, son. So take a moment to make your kid laugh, because dad jokes rule. Make your kid laugh today. Go to fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. If you love them enough to listen to them practice the same song on tuba, please be done. Over and over and over and over and over. Then surely you'll check NHTSA.gov slash the right seat to make sure they're correctly buckled in the back seat. Sounds good, honey. Check today at NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Act Council. Hope you enjoyed your meal. And I just want to say, he's lucky to have a brother like you. Lucky? Caring for my brother is far from easy. But he's a part of me, like my arms and legs, so I'll be his. No time for tired. Nothing can disable this love. He needs me, but I'm the lucky one, even though I need help now and then. If you're caring for a loved one, visit aarp.org caregiving for care guides and community. Support for your strength. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Spacey on the Right. Everybody, welcome back to the program. We are moving through um, just a ton of different content today, which specifically talking about this whole uh, this boom in liberals, specifically white liberals, arriving in Texas and uh, changing the the voter base there, and they see it as something they're doing to win Texas, so that they are bulletproof for presidential elections from here into eternity. But what they're really doing is making Texas less free. They're making Texas less of like a rock star moment for people who want to go and take advantage of lower taxes and just freedom. And, and and it's crazy. The last Democratic candidate to win Texas was President Jimmy Carter. Now, Texas is second only to California in terms of presidential electoral power. 
Now, let me put a pin in that for a second. And remember when we had this big debate uh, going around the country as to whether or not the illegal alien should be forced to answer? Well, it, not just illegal aliens, every person who takes the census, whether they should be forced to answer the question of whether or not they are a citizen. And everybody was wailing about it because they don't want that question asked. And we did a segment on the show and talked about how if that question were asked and people declined to answer, certain states like California could lose congressional seats. Well, if you populate your state with illegal aliens, but you give you you gain voting uh, power through that, meaning represent seats in the House of Representatives, then why would you want to give that up? And so that's what we're looking at right now. We're looking at a just a a massive amount of electoral power and power in Congress that is going to states that have huge illegal alien populations. It's the same thing with Texas. Texas has an enormous illegal alien population. They would lose congressional seats. Now, I'm fine with that. I want them to lose congressional seats that are only there because illegal aliens are voting or, or present in the country. But that's not the only part of the problem. And and this just goes back to what we say here on the show often is that illegal aliens being in the country and not being deported is a huge problem that impacts all of our society. It's true. It comes from the halls of Washington, D.C., where the power brokers sit, all the way down to the kindergarten classrooms that your home's property taxes fund and everything in between from hospitals to uh, emergency services to the amount of money that's left over to fund even supplies in buildings where your kids are educated, all of it is impacted by illegal immigration. So um, according to this article, this is over at Newsweek, um, the Latino growth gets a lot of the attention, but that's far from the only thing going on. Rue Texeria is a political demographer at the Liberal Center for American Progress. And he was on a phone interview with Bloomberg's Gregory Corte and Joe Carroll. And he said, you can't understand or explain the way Texas has shifted in the last couple of decades without looking at what's going on with the white population. So Texas's recent leftward turn became evident as Republican strongholds such as Williamson County, located outside of the Democratic capital city of Austin, gained 32,000 new voter registrations and cast 5,000 more Election Day ballots in 2018. In that typically low turnout midterm contest, Representative Francis O'Rourke won 6,000 more Senate race votes than Republican incumbent Senator Ted Cruz. Why? Because when Democrats move to conservative states, they move close to their liberal friends. They move into Democratic strongholds and they strengthen their positioning. So some of the people who are moving are obviously they're moving for jobs, just like you or I would move if there was an opportunity to increase our income and to have, you know, more uh, a lower. So basically the cost of living goes down and your income goes up. Who wouldn't want to take advantage of that? You don't have to be a Republican to want to uh, better your family and have more income and have more disposable income in your household. But this is about more than that. They're coming for the jobs, but they're voting for liberal stuff, just like they did in the places that they left. Now, President Trump won Williamson County by 20,000 more votes than Hillary Clinton in 2016. He won the state by nine percentage points and still holds a 70% approval rate among Texas Republicans. The state's economy has been propped up primarily by pro-business policies, which have lowered taxes, cut corporate regulations, and made the legal system more in favor of companies. But the energy and tech job boom created by these Republican-backed moves have brought in a wide swath of liberal college-educated voters. And and this is according to Internal Revenue Service statistics first obtained by Business Wire Service, about 40% of Texans were born somewhere else, more than half of those people having moved in from other states. Three deeply Democratic states have sent their residents moving to Texas, and you can guess where they're coming from, California, New York, and Illinois, places that are unbearable to live in. They're heading into Texas. So obviously, the influx of new residents are not entirely liberal. Texas Hispanics have traditionally been more conservative than in other states. Texas Republicans have long appealed to Hispanic families and residents by opposing gay rights and opposing abortion, which fits in with the predominantly Catholic families that comprise the Hispanic community. But Latino voter think tanks say Trump 
having vilified brown people helped stir up a near record number of 2018 midterm voters. And 74% of Hispanic voters said they voted for O'Rourke, which sets us up for the same type of situation you have in the black community where people are voting for people who go against their best interests, but they're doing the voting based on race. They don't, they don't actually care if they get policies that help their community. They just want to make a statement against racism, which again, I'll go ahead and say it one more time. President Trump is no racist. Okay. All right. Just, just for the, the good of the order. Um, so let's get into a little bit of gun talk here. It's Stacy on the right. And this is the second amendment report. Gun sales surging by 15%. Driven by self-protection and Pelosi Schumer demanding limits on gun ownership. Now, I got to tell you, I don't know what they think they're doing. They're getting no gun control measures, but they're still working on it. Leading indicator of gun sales actually jumped in August, driven in part by Americans seeking self-protection and deep concerns that congressional Democrats are going to push through expanded gun control legislation. The overall number of background checks recorded in the National Instant Criminal Background Check System surged 15.5%, according to the National Shooting Sports Foundation. That figure includes background checks done for security, concealed carry permits, and gun sales, and was the highest August number ever recorded. NSSF said that August FBI background checks adjusted for sales surged 15.2% over August of 2018. Um, the new search came in the wake of heightened pressure for gun control, sales bans on military-style rifles, and limits on ammo following a spike in mass shootings. So House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and Senate Majority Leader Chucky Schumer on Monday demanded that the Senate pass House-approved background check expansions. The White House, however, is focused on mental health drivers and shootings. Um, they're actually hoping to uh, you know, do something that would have an impact instead of just patting people who are scared of guns on the wrist and saying, they're there, we're going to do what you want. Um, analysts are predicting that this could possibly be the start of a 2016-style buying binge that was propelled by presidential nominee Hillary Clinton saying that she was for gun control, she wanted an assault weapon ban, and that she would do those things if she was elected to the presidency. So, you know... Um, I'm concerned mainly that Republicans stay the course. Banning ammunition or guns isn't going to stop mass shootings. Um, If it would, Walmart would never have had a mass shooting again because they've been banning stuff since the 90s and people are still going and shooting up their stores. And that's unfortunate. I hate that it's happening, but they're not doing anything to put a stop to it. All right. So you might have been waiting for this story. We I, I teased this at the beginning of the show and I'm a little surprised by it. But then again, how can I be? Like, how can I really be surprised by this? (sighs) Yeah, I can't be, can I? So the press is upset that President Trump is painting new border wall black. I know you're thinking I'm pulling your leg, but it's true. So the press corps are very upset. They noticed that one mile of the wall, the new wall that's being built, has been painted matte black to make it hotter because black absorbs the rays of the sun and then heats up and to make it more slippery so that people can't climb up it. So that's to ward off the climbers. Trump has actually made a statement. He's told them, look, instead of just painting the new stuff that color, make all of it black. So go back and paint all of what's there plus anything new that you put up. It all needs to be matte black. Now, border agents are reporting that this is what they've been told to do. The top of the current one mile span is covered with smooth metal plates, which the president wants um, removed. He wants the spiked steel topper to be the top of the wall, which again would be a determinant to climbing it. So, of course, the press corps thinks that President Trump's mean, he's awful, he, you know, what they, they can't handle it. But the truth is, he's doing things to make sure that the wall is not just new wall that he can claim, I built wall, but that it's effective, that it works. So one of the reporters um, was ask, asking Mark Morgan, acting chief of U.S. Customs and Border Protection, about the black paint. And the reporter was saying, well, what about the cost? 
If you paint the wall black, it will cost $133 million or about what the federal government spends every 15 minutes, every hour of every day. That, that's just a little side note for you. Every hour of every day, every 15 minutes, in fact, the U.S. government spends $133 million. So every 15 minutes. So every 15 minutes, $133 million. So it will cost $133 million to paint the wall black. And the reporters are saying, well, if you paint the wall black, doesn't that mean that you'll have fewer miles that you can build in the end because you have a finite amount of money? You don't have enough money to build all of the wall. So if you paint some of it black and you spend $133 million on that, that means you're going to decrease the number of miles that you can put up. Now, I know you're probably thinking, a reporter noticed that? Yes, because they, they have a logic center as well. They were raised by clear-thinking people. They just happen to be liberals. So Morgan replied that there are a lot of factors that go into that, including anti-climbing features, painting, um, and the costs are associated with both. And those costs can actually impact the number of miles of wall that go up. But again, operational impact that we get through painting, dot, dot, dot. And a reporter interrupted him and said, now, 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 you support painting the wall, even though that would shorten the number of miles. And Morgan replied, I think we need to strike a balance between making sure that the miles we build is the most effective wall system we build with respect to also the number of miles. I think it's a balance and we, that we need to strike. And that's exactly what we're doing. Accordingly, Newsweek put up a story the headline says, Acting CBP Chief Tries to Explain Why Trump's Border Wall Needs to Be Painted Black. Quote, it's common sense, end quote. Now, they're trolling. Uh, well, I don't know. They're saying they're concerned. I, it's just hard for me to believe that they're actually wanting more miles of wall to go up. They oppose the wall. But they also oppose the wall being effective. You see? So they have to argue against one in order to advocate for the other and they don't realize that we can see right through them and we see the hypocrisy and idiocy that they're peddling. To me, this story is utterly hilarious because they literally are saying, don't paint it black because if you paint it black, you'll get fewer miles, miles of wall. Well, wouldn't that be what they want? Fewer miles of wall since they want the border open so people can just stroll on in. But what's worse than having wall, having wall that works? As long as they're having to put up the steel bollards and the Mexicans know how to get over the steel bollards, then, you know, I guess for them, it's like, yeah, you can put up that ineffective garbage wall that doesn't actually do anything. If we're going to have to have some wall, we'd rather have it be ineffective. And that's essentially what they're saying, which is, again, utter craziness. So um, programming note, if you are in St. Louis today, Scott Pressler is going to be in the area doing a voter training event, and I'm going to be the MC for that tonight. Um, you can find the information on Facebook. Uh, so until tomorrow, Stacy Washington. God bless. Have a fantastic evening.